are starting it. We're continuing with our Easter series, There Is Hope. But before we get into it today, I do just want to remind us, guys, that we have our five days of prayer and fasting starting tomorrow. So we would love you to join us. Um, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to seek God together leading into Easter time. We, you know, just really reflect on, on what does Easter mean and, and pray that people come to know God. Let's pray for salvation, that people come to know God this Easter time. So we would love you to join us on that. Like I say, that's starting tomorrow. And also, guys, if anybody hasn't realized it yet, it's Easter Sunday next week. Yes. <laughs> yes. So if you just have a little look on the flyers on your seat, you should all have one. We have some awesome services planned. We have our Good Friday online service, um, and that starts at 4 p.m. And then we have our just celebration service next Sunday. So it's going to be awesome, and that is 10 a.m. as usual. But we've got loads of Easter activities planned. And, guys, we're going to be doing our water baptisms as well, which is so special. I can't wait. So straight after the service, we're going to head out to the green and we're going to help celebrate with those who are getting baptized. Amen. Support them. We're going to enjoy some free lunch and just all the Easter activities. So come along. And please, if you haven't invited anybody, you know, Easter is the perfect time to invite someone to church. People are more open to hearing the gospel and coming to church. So please take your flyer and invite someone this week. Ask God to lay someone on your heart who you can invite. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's get into the word. Can we just have a moment of prayer just before we get into the word? Thank you, Lord. We just take a moment now just to, just to settle ourselves and, and just to recognize we're about to, to hear your word. We're about to hear your voice. We're about to hear you speak to us. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We honor that. And Lord, I just, I just pray that your word goes forth this morning, Father, and your word touches hearts, Lord, and, and your word reveals you, who you are to people and, and what you want them to see. So I thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and have your way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this Easter series, we have been looking at, oh, I wobbled there. Easter, the Easter events from different perspectives of people who are around at the time. And, and last week, if you were here, um, Pastor Jacob shared an awesome message. And he looked at um, the Easter events from the perspectives of the disciples. So that's online, guys. If you, d if you didn't catch that, then I encourage you to jump online and have a listen. And he explained that even though the disciples um, were directly connected to Jesus and spent a lot of time with him, they still couldn't quite... Um, submit, I guess, their own wills to God, you know, and, and come to understand God's will and God's ways. And they had a wrestle with that. So that was a fantastic message. Now this week, guys, we're going to look at the Easter events from the crowd. Ooh, <laughs> the crowd. And that is those who were in Jerusalem or around Jerusalem at the time of the Easter events. And, and we're just going to look at what lessons can we learn today. So today, I guess, I know you'll all be aware that it is Palm Sunday. Were we all aware? Palm Sunday. Um, and Palm Sunday represents, of course, the beginning of Holy Week or the beginning of Passion Week. And it's when Jesus makes his entry into Jerusalem on his journey to the cross. It will be five days after Jesus entered Jerusalem that he will be crucified and hung on a cross. 
and, and all four of the Gospels tell us about this story, um, and it's commonly known as the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And it's from these narratives that we read in the Bible where, where we get Palm Sunday, because as we'll see when we look in the scriptures, the people who were just outside of Jerusalem welcoming Jesus in were waving palms, um, uh, palm leaves and praise and worship and laying them before the path of Jesus. Now, as I mentioned, this is the beginning of a journey for Jesus. It's his journey to the cross. And for us to try and understand the different perspectives of the crowd, I want us to take a little journey as well this morning. Does that sound all right? Uh, and we're going we're gonna to have a little journey with Jesus. And um, we're going to visit three places. We're going to start at Palms. We're going to visit a place called Thorns. And then lastly, we're going to visit a road. <laughs> okay, so not your ordinary journey with Jesus. And something to have in mind just as we take in this journey is what I want you to be thinking about is it might not always be as you expect, but what will your response be? It might not always be as you expect, but what will your response be? So we start at Psalms. And to understand the significance um, of the events on Palm Sunday, we need to understand just a little bit of the backstory. So the week that Jesus made his entry into Jerusalem, the Jewish people in Jerusalem were celebrating a festival known as Passover. And uh, Passover is the most important festival of the year for the life of a Jewish person. So everybody would have gone to Jerusalem for this festival. Jerusalem would have been bustling, heaving, just packed with people because Passover, um, as you may know, celebrates the liberation, the freedom of, the, of um, Israel from their captives in Egypt. It celebrates the goodness of God. It, it remembers how God miraculously freed Israel from Egypt and formed them into a nation in the wilderness, formed them into his people. So this would be a time when patriotism ran high. All right, there will be redemption songs will be sung. There will be retelling stories of God's great deliverance, reciting the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. And of course, the talk of the coming Messiah. The coming Messiah. The one who would come and release them again from their oppression. This time it's the Romans. The coming Messiah. He will make them into a great nation once again. So there would be a buzz in the crowd, right? This is an air of celebration. It's a festival. There's a buzz. There's an excitement. There's an anticipation. And Jesus is about to enter the scene. And we read in John 12, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took the palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Don't be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples didn't understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things have to be done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And many people 
because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So our first stop at Palms, and Jesus is coming on a donkey. And the crowd are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, which literally means save, save, save us, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. So why are people shouting this at Jesus? What has happened? Well, the text tells us, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. So many people, because they had heard that he performed this sign, went out to meet him. So they'd heard about Jesus' miracles. They'd heard, or could have possibly have been there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. They had heard about blind Bartimaeus, who he healed. They might have known Bartimaeus. He'd always been blind from birth until he met Jesus. They'd heard about the miracles of provision, how he fed the 5,000, how he fed the 400 with with enough to spare, how he turned water into wine. Could this be the Messiah that the scriptures speak about? The miracle-giving, multiplying Messiah, the warrior king about to forcefully remove all earthly things that make us uncomfortable, things that might seem like control or oppression, things that stretch us or test us or challenge us or call us to submit. Here he comes. Hosanna, save us, save us now. And they wave their palms in the air, their palms of anticipation and expectancy. Palms is a place of expectations. Palms is a place of expectations. The only problem was they had wrong expectations of Jesus. They were not expecting to happen what Jesus was expecting to happen and what Jesus had spoken about. The prophecy that's quoted in the John text is um, Zechariah 9.9 that says, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey. Now this prophecy was fulfilled. The king had come. The king had surely come. Jesus was the Messiah, but it wasn't going to play out the way the crowd expected it to play out. Jesus hadn't come to overthrow an earthly reign. He'd come to overthrow a spiritual one. The prophecy of Zechariah then goes on to say, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and and from the river to the ends of the earth. So he hadn't come for war. He'd come to break the battle bow. He wasn't riding into Jerusalem on a chariot. He wasn't riding into Jerusalem on a war horse, which would be the norm for conquering kings. He was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, which is a symbol of peace. He knew the enemy that he would be fighting. He knew he had come to conquer the enemy of sin, death, and the devil. Jesus was coming for the root of the problem, amen? So we can once again have peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with one another. He was coming to bring peace. And even though we see it in the scriptures, and Jesus spoke about it plainly enough, the crowd could not see it. The crowd on that day could not see it. Because their own ideas and desires had exalted themselves above the word of God. 
exalted themselves above the word of God. And what it did is it hindered their view of Jesus. It hindered them from seeing Jesus clearly. And I wonder sometimes, we have to ask ourselves, are our expectations of Jesus wrong? Is what we've expected from Jesus wrong and misaligned? Are we unable to see God clearly because we have exalted our ideas and our desires above the word of God? And it's hindered us from truly knowing the heart of the Father, from truly seeing Jesus. Have we gotten ourselves in the way of knowing God? Do we expect Jesus to come and miraculously just move, uh, remove everything in our life that, that's just trouble or, or seems like a burden or seems like control? Do we want him to just remove it? Do we expect him to come and be our militant king but forget he is the father of our souls? Forget that he's more concerned about changing us and forming Christ-likeness in us before he is about changing our circumstances? Do we forget that? God has the things of eternity in mind. Do we, as his children, have the things of eternity in mind? Or are we just so fixated on our earthly circumstances? Do we, uh, where are we storing our treasures? Where do we store our treasures? You see, if we have misaligned expectations of Jesus, it's going to lead us into a place of confusion and anger. And this brings us to our next stop which is thorns. We were with the crowd at Palms, and we were celebrating. We were welcoming Jesus in. We had such expectations. And now five days later, we've journeyed with the crowd to the place called Thorns. And we stood outside the court of Pontius Pilate, and Jesus has been arrested. He's been flogged. He's been about to be sentenced to death. Now, things really are not going as they expected. Their expectations went unmet. Things might not always be as you expect, but what will your response to Jesus be? Their expectations went unmet, and their response to Jesus was one of anger and confusion and bitterness. Things might not always be as you expect, but what will your response be? Luke 23 says this, and the Pontius Pilate said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and, and I found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release uh, Barabbas to us. And Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. And wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they shouted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The crowd who was there to welcome Jesus in five days earlier because they'd heard about his great miracles, they were only expecting miracles and provision. They were only expecting miracles and provision of Jesus. They didn't expect that they'd have to witness or be part of a death of any kind. And I wonder when we come to Jesus, do we expect that we have to be part of a death, a dying to ourselves, 
a dying to ourselves, to our own, to our own sinful and selfish ways. So Jesus can be formed in us. The new life of Jesus can be formed and resurrected in us. And this process at times can feel like great suffering, can't it? It can feel like great suffering. And when we're not prepared for it, when we're not aware of it, we become angry, we become confused, we're not sure what's going on. I thought it would just be all miracles and provision when I come to Jesus. I wasn't expecting to have to be challenged and grow and stretch and get rid of some things and allow Jesus to begin to prune some things off me so he can resurrect some things within me. The same crowd who five days ago offered Jesus palms of praise are now offering him thorns of anger and confusion because their expectations have been earthly rather than eternal. And it's also interesting that the scripture tells us in this place, when they were in this place of anger and confusion, that they allowed themselves to be influenced by outside voices, the Pharisees. They allowed themselves to get swayed by outside voices in their moment of weakness. The Pharisees were encouraging them to abandon Jesus, to turn away. And in their moment of weakness and confusion, they were influenced. And I think, guys, we need to be on our guard sometimes, don't we? We need to be on our guard sometimes when we're in that place of confusion and anger and bitterness. We just need to be conscious of whose voice is the loudest in our head. Who are we allowing to speak to us in that place? And whose voice are we listening to? What voice is going to influence us in that place? We need to be on our guard. Jesus was about to free them from their strongest oppressors of sin death and the devil. And because they were just so fixated on on their earthly desires and what they wanted here on earth, it it hindered them from seeing the bigger plan of God's love and salvation and redemption of the world. They got so fixated on their own desires and they begin to shout, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Now guys, before we judge the crowd (laughs) too harshly, (laughs) let's take a moment it might not be so difficult to find ourselves in that place, right? Now, I know we we would never advocate for the brutal execution of a man. (laughs) But it might not be so difficult to find ourselves in that place. Do our hearts cling cold to Jesus when our expectations of him have been unmet? Do our hearts close off? Do we close our eyes and ears to him and stop welcoming him in? to every area of our life? Do we stop celebrating what God has done in our past, the goodness of God in our past, in the difficult times when it's just hard to understand and make sense? Even when it feels like defeat, guys, can we continue to offer Jesus palms of praise or will we give him our thorns of anger? Can we continue to offer him our palms of praise? Can we continue to trust him? Can we continue to, to remember that, that he is king of the universe, that he loves us, that he came for us, that he died for us, that he hasn't failed us yet, that he is working all things out in our life? Can we praise him in their moments, church? That he's killing things within us. He is pruning us so he can bring resurrection life. Because for there to be a death, for there to be a resurrection even, (laughs) there has to be a death, right? 
for there to be a resurrection, there has to be a death. From death comes resurrection. And this is our final stop on the journey. And we go to a road. So stay with me, guys. Are we okay? Good. We were with the crowd that welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem. We were with the crowd when they gave him a crown of thorns. And now we go to a road. We walked away from that place, dejected, defeated. Our hopes were dashed. But then three days later, and there's a buzz in town again. Things start stirring again. Excitement. There's talk of a risen Jesus. Some people have even seen him, and they say the tomb is empty. Things begin to stir again. Could it really be true? Paul records for us in Corinthians who the resurrected Jesus revealed himself to. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters. At the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then Jesus appeared to James and then all the apostles. So a 500 plus strong crowd witnessed the resurrected Jesus. What would that have been like? Well, I want to take you to the road to Emmaus for our final journey. Two disciples were walking away from Jerusalem. They'd witnessed the events. They were defeated. Hopes dashed, dejected. They've heard the talk, the resurrected Jesus, but could they allow themselves to trust again? Could they allow themselves to get their hopes up again? And Jesus again enters the scene. He says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And you jump down to verse 30. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. But they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up immediately and they ran back to Jerusalem to share the good news. Guys, Emmaus is a place of restored hope and restored vision. You know, no matter what we've expected from Jesus in the past, no matter if we've got it wrong, no matter if our expectations have been misaligned and we've offered him thorns instead of palms of praises, he is always wanting you to encounter him afresh and afresh So he can reveal himself to you clearly. By his love and his grace, he wants to meet you on the road to Emmaus. To restore your vision and restore your hope. The last part of the Zechariah prophecy, well, verse 11 and 12 says, As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. There is always hope in 
Jesus. He is the eternal king that shed his blood so you could enter into a loving, everlasting covenant with him. And as part of that covenant, he sealed his spirit inside of you. He has locked his spirit inside of you, giving you a living hope. And this hope is alive and it's active in the soul of every believer so we can return and return and return and keep encountering Jesus, our living hope. Are you awake, church? Jesus is our living hope. You know, some of, uh, many of you do know that um, my brother, he, my brother was an alcoholic. He struggled with drink for many, many years. And, and, you know, we were praying for him. And we believed, we were believing that the church family was, my family was. And, you know, we were expecting him to be free. We were expecting to Jesus to miraculously free him from the oppression of his addiction. But that didn't happen. A little over two years ago, my brother passed away from an overdose of prescription medicine and vodka. Things certainly didn't go as we expected. Was there a time in the pain of that loss where I couldn't offer Jesus my palms of praise? Yeah, there was. Was there a time in that loss when I offered him my thorn of anger and confusion and disappointment? Yes, there was. Did Jesus condemn me for that? No, he didn't. Did his love hold me in the grief and the pain and then when he was able, invite me into a place to see him again? Yes, it did. Did he restore my hope? Did he restore my vision? Did he remind me of the things of eternity? Is he teaching me where to lay my treasures? Yes, he is. And I could once again begin to offer him my palms of praise. Because even in death, there's always hope in Jesus, right? Jesus says, I am the resurrection life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Even in death, there is hope in Jesus. We just need to make sure our hope is in the eternal and not the earthly. We just need to make sure our hope is anchored in, in a person, which is Jesus Christ and not our circumstances. You can get up, guys, if that's okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hosanna. The cry shouted, Hosanna, save us, save us now. You know, Jesus answered their cries of Hosanna all them years ago. And he answers our cries of Hosanna today. He answers them with a cross and an empty tomb. Some things in your life might not have gone as you expected them to go. You might not have seen Jesus move in the way you expected him to. Your expectations have been unmet. Your hopes have been dashed. And you're finding it hard to praise Jesus. You're finding it hard to offer Jesus your palms of praise through the confusion and the anger. But I want you to believe this morning I want you to believe that he's with you. I want you to believe that he loves you. Even in your pain, in your brokenness, in your bitterness, in your confusion, he is with you. 
and he is doing something within you and he's working things out for you. But sometimes we just need to let our praise flow again, don't we? Sometimes we just need to begin to praise Jesus again. And this Easter might be an opportunity for you to, to know, come to know Jesus for the first time. And if it is, I'm so excited for you and we will give you the opportunity to do that. But this Easter, it might be a chance for you to meet Jesus on the road to Emmaus again. To walk with Jesus. To let him reveal himself to you again clearly. To lay down our agendas, our ideas, what we think we know, who we think we think he is, what we think he's going to do. We just lay that all down. And just walk with Jesus and let him teach you. Let him teach you. The the text said he opened the scriptures up to them again. Let him show you himself so we can have a clear understanding, so we can have our vision restored and we can have our hope restored. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So good. I'm just going to go into a time of prayer. Have a moment in the presence of God. Thank you, Lord. If you haven't come to know Jesus yet for the first time, then I want to give you the opportunity to do that. If you're online, in the room, then please say this prayer after me in church. If we can just pray along together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. And I look to you today as Lord of my life. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we're so excited for you. Please let me know if you're online. um, Let us know in the chat. Um, And if you're in the room, then please come and speak to me. We want to get some resources to you to help you on your way. But guys, can we just have a moment of prayer together just to seal the word? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you came and died for us. We thank you that you rose again. You sent your Holy Spirit to be with us. You never leave us. Your love never fails us. You're our comforter, our lover, our hope, our strength, our wisdom. You guide our lives. We just give it all to you this morning, Jesus. Whatever we might have thought about you, or whatever we've got wrong, we just give it all to you this morning, Jesus. And we say, will you come? Will you come again and show us who you are, Lord? Come again and reveal who you want to be in our lives and what you want to do in our lives again and speak to our hearts, Father. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.